Innovation gains traction during tough times. This is because innovation solves problems in a cheaper, better, faster and more productive manner. Researchers have shown that we are witnessing the fast-tracking of five platforms of disruptive innovation. These are DNA sequencing, robotics, energy storage, AI and blockchain technology. In episode 25 of Bridging the Gap podcast, we host Kai Wang, product manager at Universal Robotics. She sheds light at the growth curve of robotics industry and the pace at which developments are taking place. She also details the raw material challenges that the whole world is facing, including the robotics industry. Kai also gives her advice to young engineers and career seekers of what is needed to get into the industry. She also shares her personal story of what got her into robotics and how that is now allowing her to shift into a new territory. Google. Please have a listen. Hi, thanks for coming on our podcast. It's a real pleasure. I've been trying to get in contact with you for some time, so thankfully you did manage to to reply. Um, I'd like to get an introduction from you first. I'd like to know more about you. Maybe our listeners would like to know more about you. Can you tell us more about your background, your educational background, your work background, and how it took you to uh, to your current position as a product manager for one of the robotics companies, uh, Universal Robotics. Please tell us more about that. So I did my undergraduate degree uh, in mechanical engineering at the University of Queensland, where you and I met um, mm-hmm. many, many, many moons ago. <laughs> um, and that's kind of where, you know, I, I started... My educational background, after that, I joined ABB, which is a fairly large industrial products company. One of their key product groups is robotics. Um, I didn't personally work in their robotics department, but it certainly was where I got kind of first exposure to to robotics industry. Uh, I was working in their uh, gas sampling department, so we would make Mm -hmm. products to sample gases, mainly for the oil and gas industry, which is quite large uh, in Australia. Um, so I did that for, you know, four years or so as an engineer. Um, I felt the role was at least for me a little bit, you know, too, like not high level. enough. I Mm -hmm. felt I was like the weeds and I'm someone who kind of likes, no, that's not what I'm saying. (laughs) I actually have huge, tremendous respect, uh, for people who, who, I mean, we definitely need people who are like, like that. I just think for me personally, I was kind of someone that I don't know, like to um, think broader, but but not in yeah. as much detail. So, kind of had me thinking a lot. I ended up uh, choosing to do an MBA um, in the US, so like a business master's degree uh, at, at NYU in, in New York. Um, and then after that, wow. actually took a total one eighty turn um, and entered uh, management consulting at a company called Bain which is like wholly unrelated to engineering. Uh-huh. Um, but it's kind of like uh, you kind of like do like strategy and operations advisory work for yeah. like large corporations. Where was um, that? Which, um, so you kind of travel around the U.S. to do that. So okay. I travel to, um, yeah, a bit to Seattle, a bit to Chicago, a bit to St. Louis. But uh, 
I think I actually, believe it or not, kind of miss like engineering and, and something a bit more technical. So I kind of like hypothesize, well, what's a role that would give me kind of like more like best, product best and, and technical stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Best of both worlds and, and uh, kind of found universal robots, um, which I think is a really cool company in that it is an industrial robot company, but it kind of pioneered this collaborative robot space, um, mm -hmm. which is industrial robots, but it, it kind of builds in the like, human interaction or collaboration. Um, essentially, it has kind of more safety features. So you can yeah. walk, work alongside humans versus a lot of the robots we had before was kind of caged off in, mm -hmm. in um, different parts of factories. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's that's how I got here. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, that's, that's quite a journey. That's quite a journey. And, and so, so can you please tell us more about your day or maybe in general, your role mm -hmm. at, at the Universal Robotics as a product manager? It's hard to say what I do in a day, but I would say, yeah, overall, as a role of a product manager, um, there's probably three main things that I do. Um, number one is work on more the strategic roadmap of the product. So uh, that obviously involves working with senior leadership on where do we want to take this product? How do we um, like maximize the sales? Uh, what market we should attack? Things like that. Uh, so that's a third of what I do. The second third of what I do is more on the ground, but externally. So um, like doing a lot of customer interviews, getting to know uh, like what the customer pain points are mm -hmm. and really using that in to inform what to build next. Um, mm -hmm. And then the last third of what I do is uh, on the ground, but internally with our developers and, and engineers to really um, yeah, build, build the product uh, based on the research we found in the field. And obviously you spoke about your customers and, and you don't have to name them, but I, I'm, I'm more interested in, in which industry uh, has been, or at least from what you've seen, has been at the forefront of robotics utilization. I would say um, like robotics industry as a whole, it's very clear that the main industry that's used it the most is automotives. So like mm. car makers yeah. and it's not just like the end car maker like toyota it's all of toyota's suppliers tend to use quite a lot of robots to manufacture the parts that they send to toyota mm -hmm. um so that's definitely a an industry that's very very much adopted robotics long before um most other industries i would say the from our company um that is one of our customer types, but um, specifically for this company, it's trying to more um, really deliver robotics to uh, some of the, I guess, green spaces or industries that haven't utilized robots as much as automotive. Uh, and that's mainly like, you know, small, small and medium manufacturing houses like yeah. uh so we call them the smes like those ma machining shops here in say ohio united states um so those for those people like i think one of the biggest barriers to access robotics was number one the cost and number two how difficult it was to program yeah. and set up 
because uh, I was programming you, setup. Yeah, I was going to ask ahead. you if it's become if it's become that accessible for SMEs to actually uh, procure uh, robotics. Has it become that accessible nowadays? I think it's considerably more accessible. Um, I think it's still a fairly open market, but I think um, our company and and actually several others have really now pushed to close the gap and and allow these SMEs to access robots, to deploy robots, which is the biggest, I think, pain point. And and really, so they're more competitive. There's more of a local supply chain, which that that thing kind of really took off in about the last two years from COVID, as you can imagine. So, um, yeah, I, I think... This you know, there's work to do, but it's it's certainly going in that direction. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, the topic of robotics has always been on my mind because it's it's one of those main areas of where significant research and development is being done on a daily basis, and there's considerable developments like you know, month in and month out. Um, from from what you've seen, uh, which area in our daily lives do you think would have robotics overtake it in the near future? Yeah. So I think we've already seen, for example, um, more simple tasks like vacuuming kind of being overtaken by the <laughs> the little robot vacuums yeah. Uh, yeah. from Roomba and many others. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a small one. I think, to in my mind, one of the harder problems, but it's one that's getting closer and we can kind of materially see it get closer is autonomous driving. Um or autonomous vehicles, I guess there's not much yeah. driving. Um, mm. But I, I think, look, I'm not saying it's the next, you know, has, there's a lot of safety hoops you have to jump through and regulatory approval. But I think um, definitely like, well, definitely in our lifetimes, we'll see it. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I think er- sooner than that, probably. Uh, and, and I think that's a huge change. It's not like, putting a little vacuum in your house that is yeah. like fundamentally changing the way we transport ourselves. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. And, and, you know, when you mentioned the vacuum to me, that's so genius because it really, it's, it's an effective consumer robot, right? It's, it's really out there and it reaches every single household. So in your opinion, what makes an effective consumer robot? What's, what's in it that would make it part of everyday life? Yeah, so I think like all products, it has to solve a problem well. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's still limitations to robots. Um, So actually when the Roomba first came out, it would get stuck in a corner quite often, right? Yeah, that's Um, true. But, you know, if something's stuck in a corner, it's not the end of the world. So I guess people... You know, they allow the company to survive and give it time to to continue to improve. To till today, where um, I have one, and it, it really my floor has never been cleaner, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't really get stuck anymore, and can kind of teach the robot. Um, so anyway, to answer your question, I think it has to solve the problem well <laughs> is number one always. Um, but another one where maybe people think about less is. Um, reliability and serviceability and usability. So kind of those three things, serviceability, reliability can probably build into the products, but usability for consumer products is a really big one because basically you're saying any random non-technical person needs to be able to set up a 
a robot and yeah. not an engineer, not just any, anyone should be able to press a few buttons and set it up and get it going. So that's, that's, yeah, that's quite important, I think actually, yeah. of all the things I've mentioned, that's probably the, the hardest one um, when it comes to something more complex than vacuuming. And, you know, obviously me being uh, me as a person, a lot of people as well might think the same way. We, we're, we're all fascinated that someday, maybe in our lifetime, maybe later on, we will be able or companies will be able to construct some sort of machine that can think and act uh, in our world, uh, not, just, mm-hmm. not just act, right? But they can, it can actually think. Uh, being part of Universal Robotics, how far are you guys <laughs> from bringing this to reality? And how far are others as well from, from this particular point? Yeah. So the act part, like you correctly stated, is not the hard part, is the think, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. think part. Exactly. <laughs> um, and um, I'm going to give you a long winded answer, but I promise you it, it kind of leads to an answer, <laughs> which no, is, um, I would say where <sighs> it's a non-answer that we're very far, not that far. And the reason I say that is if you look backwards, at the progress so far and you apply that same pace of change forward, then we're still very far away. Mm-hmm. However, I believe when it comes to AI, the growth is exponential um, and exponential growth in the beginning is actually quite slow. It looks like slow linear growth, but it's like yeah. it reaches this tipping point where, um, you know, it, you start to see that vertical incline in, in the, in growth and it's like very slowly and then very suddenly. So I, my view is yes, we're still in that kind of slower phase right now, but I think in like 10 years from now, we're going to start to really see that exponential growth. And it's very hard to imagine it because the, the past has been so linear <laughs> that, yeah. um, that it's, I think it's just hard for me to like, it's like, I, I, academically know it's coming but i mm. even myself have some gaps in being able to imagine exactly how fast it will be but i i do i do think it's far but i think our pace of getting there will be much faster than it has been so yeah. time wise it might not take that long yeah no i i think you're right i think it, uh, with with how fast things are developing in in those five main areas that I mentioned or that we, you know, that I sort of had in my mind and one of them is robotics. I think things are going to be moving quite fast and uh, hopefully we see that in our lifetime. I I do want to ask you a question though about maybe a more convoluted question than the previous one. Obviously unstructured manipulation by robots and by that for our listeners, I mean that a robot can pick up something and can actually do something with it without prior training and mm-hmm. would do that by itself. And that's, that's in its infancy that, you know, companies are working on that, but for a robot moving forward to be able to do these sort of more human-like activities, and it would need to train itself to do that. The type of materials that go into building these robots mm-hmm. will have to be a little bit softer, a little bit more malleable, you know, more human-like. How far are we from getting there and when it comes to these materials, what sort of raw materials are, ne- are going to be needed for the robotics industry to move forward, let's say, in the next 10 years or so? So I think there's 
two parts. One is like the mechanical, let's call it the, the arm or the, the hand, basically. And we call them like end of arm effectors, which is the hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's materials there. That's like one part. The second part is for the com- any machine to think is mm-hmm. obviously the, the computer chips, yeah. um, which is already a big thing right big now. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it has to get a, you know, it has to really push on that Moore's law because it has to get a, a, do a hell of a lot more processing. But yeah, on the, on the first one, the like bucket one being the, the end of arm effectors, you know, I've, I'm not sure it has to behave exactly like a human hand mm-hmm. all the time. So uh, right now we, we do have ones where it's like a human hand. There's kind of that opposable thumb. It's kind of like, uh, you know, at the arcade, you play that claw game. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's there's like much better versions of that with a lot of mm-hmm. joints you know that okay. work actually wow. right. pretty well <laughs> uh-huh. and then there's you know not everything needs like fine picking so there's a lot that's like such like air suction so it just like sucks things up um as yeah. a, or, or magnets as well exactly, that pick yeah. things up that way mm-hmm. so so in in essence i think we've we've gotten pretty smart about already what we can use there and there's quite a variety of materials you know rubber is is one uh and that mm-hmm. usually is yeah for different types of manipulation but yeah. i'm not sure i guess for me there's there's probably already a there's no one unifying material there yeah. because there's a lot that work but i think in bucket two which is in the computer chip there are less <laughs> i think yeah less variations of of materials we can use time being yeah that's true so at least for the time being yeah so um you know i'm not an expert on the semiconductor industry funnily enough the company i work for their parent company is (laughs) uh is is in the semiconductor space so but uh but i mean that is what that is the gold of the 21st for sure. century <laughs> for, 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 for sure for sure um look we're, we're coming we're coming to the end of our interview but i, I do want to ask you uh, one last question and and obviously this podcast being targeted at, at young individuals what would be your advice to up and coming uh, young engineers or non-engineers who want to get into the robotics industry uh, what sort of what sort of education do they need to to be able to be uh, to be equipped to get into the robotics industry, and what sort of experience and uh, you know in the industry or, or academia would they need to to be to excel in this uh, field? Yeah, so I think um, in terms of what you study, there's probably two main parts, the two main degrees, right? One is in like. Uh, mechatronics or mechanical or electrical engineering. That's like the more traditional robot, you know, the mechanical side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very traditional way. The second, which I think is more the up and coming, well, I should say up and coming, but the more um, like what will be needed is more in the, if you study like mathematics yeah, or like, because really what it's becoming is AI, computer vision. Um, that's the thinking part of it. So the acting is, like you were yeah. saying, the acting. That's like mechanical, electrical engineering. Mm-hmm. The thinking is more like, yeah, mathematics and computer science. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So those are kind of two paths you can take. I mean, there's many more paths. Don't ever let degrees limit yourself. <laughs> um, sure. But those are two obvious paths. Like, let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, in terms of getting into the industry, um, it depends a little bit on where you are in the world. There's certainly places like Boston in the US that's quite a hub for it, but mm-hmm. there's kind of small hubs all around the world. It's, yeah, I think it takes, with, with the invention of Google, I think it doesn't take too much to, to figure out, you know, where you can try yeah. and work and, and network your way into those. Are there a lot of S- uh, robotics SMEs that are coming up? Uh, I mean, I, I mean, usually these things are quite, you know, capital intensive, right? Am I, maybe I'm wrong. No, you're, you're absolutely correct. Um, and there have been more and more, but I would say, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely um, quite a few, I think, in the, in the Boston area of, of the U.S., um, mm-hmm. And there are more and more of them. A lot of them, not a lot of, well, like most, you know, lots of companies do fail in the beginning, but, um, you know, don't let that stop you. I think if you still work in one of those companies, it doesn't have to be a huge success, but it kind of gets your foot into the door. And um, yeah, I do think there is kind of more and more kind of smaller companies that do this. Mm -hmm. Also, actually, I forgot to mention one other way is, even if you don't work for a company that makes the robots, you can be an engineer that integrates robots or yeah. uh, services robots. Um, code. That's usually, okay. yeah. 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 Uh, makes sense. Makes sense. And maybe one, one last question then in this case, you uh, off air, you mentioned that, you know, you're, you're moving somewhere. So that, tell, tell us about that. Yeah, sure. I haven't. Uh, so um, it's been, Two years at Universal Robots, the product I was working on is remote control and remote monitoring. So we really uh, built that from from scratch and launched it into the market. And I feel like it's in a really good place uh, and kind of looking for a next challenge. So um, so I'm going to take some time off, but in a few weeks, I'll be joining Google. Um, Unfortunately, I won't be in robotics uh, anymore. Um, okay. I'll be, I guess, more on the computer side of things. So I'll be working in the Chrome OS team. So uh, nice, nice. like the operating system for Chromebooks. And uh, yeah, I'm, pre- I'm very excited for that. Best of luck on that. And uh, really do appreciate uh, you coming on the, on the podcast. I uh, really thank you for your time. And uh, until we meet again, I guess. Will do. Thanks again. Bridging the Gap is brought to you by AK Mohanad Anumar. Music is by Soito Kello. If you like our work, please support us by liking and sharing this audio. Till next time.